settle down. There's people walking in, so let the people get situated. It's great to see everyone this morning. It is a joy to be uh, in the presence of other believers as we come to worship the Lord. Uh, welcome to all of our guests. We're so glad you're here. I uh, hope that uh, you got bulletin when you walked in. Maybe take the time with a perforated tab on that. If you could fill that out and drop it uh, on your way out in the black box, that would be uh, wonderful. That's where we're taking and collecting offerings and uh, the, the guest cards as well. So we are glad you're here to worship with us, those online as well. Uh, so if you would please stand as we read the word. This morning I'll be reading from John chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. And then we'll have a time of prayer. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Father, we are so thankful for your Son, the light of the world stepping down to earth. Lord, that your Son took on human flesh, your Son who existed in eternity past with you, and in the overflow of your love came to die for us, to take our place on the cross. And Father, we come knowing uh, how good and merciful and gracious you are, uh, because apart from you, apart from the work of Christ, we have no hope. But this morning we have the hope uh, that no one else in the world can have, Lord. As believers gathered, uh, we have an eternal hope, uh, knowing that those who, who know you, who trust in you, who have repented, uh, we will have everlasting life with Christ. So God, may we come and worship you uh, with uh, eager hearts and declare your praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together this morning as we praise the fruit of amazing grace. Let's stand and sing together this morning as we praise the fruit of amazing grace. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves his breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is amazing love. Thank you. 
sing for all that you've done for me. We sing together this morning. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. who's full of grace towards us. Amen. We are so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. I want to say welcome to you. If you're new here, maybe this is your first time or your first time in a while, we especially want to say welcome to you and welcome to all of you who are watching and worshiping with us online this morning. We are so thrilled that you have chosen to join us here at Broadway. We hope that you're paying attention to social media and our bulletins and all the, the signs around the building and things like that so that you can stay best up to date with all that we've got uh, coming up here in the coming days at Broadway. We are excited about what God's doing. Uh, a couple things that we want to remind you of. Don't forget our Wednesday nights have started back. Uh, children and youth start at 6. And we have a Bible study in here starting at 6.30 as well as Celebration Choir has begun working on uh, their Christmas cantata in the Fellowship Hall at 6.30 as well. So we would invite you to be a part of that. And then we want to encourage you, we're running something new this fall here at Broadway. 
We're calling them community groups. These are going to be small groups of, of 10 or so people who are fellowshipping together and getting to know one another, getting connected to other believers in community here at Broadway Baptist. We want to encourage you. You can sign up for those. There'll be uh, signups in the back at the Welcome Center. You can sign up for that on your way out. We've also got a table up here. You can sign up for them there. Uh, if you're a family and you've got kids, don't worry. We've got child care uh, taken care of. We'll figure all that out. Uh, but we want you to be connected to one of these groups so that you are connected to other believers here in our church. We're so excited about that and want to encourage you to, to be a part of that. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll continue with worship this morning. Holy Father, we are so thankful that you have called us to worship you. And Lord, as we approach your throne this morning, God, we admit to you that we are not worthy of it. Lord, we have failed you. I have failed you. Lord, I've not loved you like I should or my neighbor as myself as you've commanded us to do. And so, Lord, we confess that to you this morning. But, Father, we know that you are faithful to forgive. And so, Lord, we praise you for your mercy. We praise you for your grace. And we praise you because of who you are. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus and for the love that you show us through him. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Just a second ago, our youth pastor, Zach Bauer, read from the book of John, chapter 1. And in verse 29, John the Baptist is, is teaching, and he says, The next day he saw, John coming, he saw Jesus coming toward him, that's John, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that he made on the cross, we can have restoration in relationship with God the Father. Would you stand as we continue to worship together this morning? You came from heaven's throne Yeah. 
this morning we're reminded of our unworthiness of our inadequacy 
all of our sinfulness, Lord. And we come to confess that and to lay it before you today in knowing that you delight in forgiving us of our sins and making us to be transparent before you. And so as we bow, we ask, Lord, for your cleansing and forgiveness. Thank you for how that you have guided us all through our life. Even our Father, before we acknowledged you as our Savior and Lord, you were working with us. The Holy Spirit was seeking to draw us close unto you. Thank you for the power of the Spirit of the living God. And Father, we, as we worship you today, we pray for our pastor as he brings the message to us today. May he be anointed of your Spirit. And Father, may our ears and heart be open unto you to receive your word. Father, we realize this morning that we're in a broken world. And even those of our church family, Lord, that are having special needs and challenges today. Some of our homebound, some of our folks that are in hospitals, some of our folks' illness at home. Father, touch them in a very special way this morning. May they sense that you care. We think of the people that may be listening to, to this broadcast today out across the land. There are hurting hearts there, Lord. May your spirit touch and draw them to you. And Father, we want to pray for our nation today. We pray for our national leaders. Father, empower and guide and use these men and women that we have sent and elected in our nation to be our leaders. Bless them, our Father, today. Give special wisdom. We ask, Father, your divine guidance. If there's one here today that has not come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, this will be the day. Holy Spirit, breathe upon us anew and afresh this morning. We ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Should you put these out? Because I'm talking about those. Thank you, Brother Her. Thank you for that. If you are a child, this is part of the service that we do children's sermons. So I want to invite all the children to come on down and just uh, take a seat up here. In the choir loft, we have a special, special service, part of the service for you. So all children, you want to come on down at this point? Just the microphone. Okay. All right, I'm going to use this chair here. All right, I'm going to read a Bible verse here, and then we're going to, um, I'm going to uh, uh, have uh, someone.
uh, do a demonstration. So that's what we, so we're going to read our Bibles, and our theme is on foundations. We're talking about what does it mean to have your foundation in Christ, in church, and other things that we go through throughout life. So here's our Bible verse we're going to read, children. It's out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. It says, For no one can lay any, founda- any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we are to lay a foundation in our life, in your life, as Jesus Christ. He's the one who's our rock. So our entire life is based on Jesus. So this past week on Tuesday, something happened. Does anybody know what happened on Tuesday? It happens every time of the year about this time. Yes, ma'am. It is hard to hear with a mask on. David, did you hear that? Did you say it was the first day of fall? That's what I think I heard. That's exactly the right answer, what I was looking for. Congratulations. That is what I was looking for. Tuesday was the first day of fall. And that's a foundation. You know, uh, Pastor Dean, my favorite time of the year, maybe yours too, David, is actually... The, uh, the fall season. Think about fall. You can go around saying happy fall, y'all. That's when you can use the word y'all. It's for football. Football started yesterday for the SEC. It's also for baseball playoffs. You're getting ready for Christmas. Uh, the weather's cooling down. It is the best season. And not only that, you know Christmas is about to come. It's right around the corner with, with fall. So it's an exciting season of fall. So that's a foundation. We know God created the seasons, and we always have fall that's coming in in late September, October, November. And it's an exciting time of year. So I need someone uh, for our demonstration. Who would like to be part of our demonstration? Remind me of your name. Joanna, right? Joanna, I I, I got this out of my toddler's Sunday school room. Will you put that on your head? Okay, Joanna, I, we're going to see here. There's the, don't look. I want you to walk forward here. I won't let you fall off the stage. One time, Mr. Dino almost fell off the stage, but I won't, we won't fall off the stage. We're going to touch these two items, but we do not know what they are. And we don't know what these things are, but these are foundational items. So you, you feel, do you see what that is? Don't look. Okay, all right, now, now we're going to put our hands down here, right here. Okay, don't look. You can feel around. Okay. Now, we're not going to look. We're going to go back to our chair. Don't take it off yet. I'm breaking every rule for six feet for social distancing. I don't okay. All right, you can take off your helmet now. Joanna, um, is it Joanna, right? Julianne. I know it's the mask. It's the that's what you really said. That's what I heard. Just like Tuesday was the first day of fall. But um, what did you touch? These are foundational things. Do you, do you, 
You're right. You touched that pumpkin. I moved it back. I fooled you, but I didn't. And you also touched the Bible. Children, a pumpkin is a symbol of what? Fall. The fall is the answer I want. Yes, we go. I went to Matt's Produce this week on Clays Mill Road, and they're selling in, in September pumpkins. Even if you don't, aren't even celebrating Halloween, you still put a pumpkin in your church, and you put a pumpkin on your front porch because it's symbolizing the harvest in fall. But also, Joanne, you mentioned there the Bible. What is the Bible foundational for, for us? God. That's right. We learn about God in the Bible. That's why it's so important. Just like a pumpkin is a foundation and a symbol for fall, this book here, the book you read, the Bible verse I just read, children, this is foundational, meaning it's the rock. It's what we build our life on. This is why we go to Sunday school. This is why we reread our devotions at home. This is why we, we pray to the Lord, because the Bible tells us to do these things. That is a, a, a great, great opportunity for us to see. Just like pumpkin represents the fall, the Bible represents God and Jesus in our life. All right, I need somebody to say our closing prayer. And then we're going to, I've got a few weeks, we'll be giving out Halloween candy. This is Franken Cup. So uh, we'll be giving out Halloween candy. Any volunteers? Girls, I always get y'all's names mixed up. You yeah, come on down. Remind, remind me of your name. Which one? Vita or Vidat? Vita. Vita. Okay, Vita. We're going to bow our heads. Vita's going to pray for us. We're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. Then you're going to go down, and Miss Sherry has put there your Franken Cups Halloween candy that you'll be receiving. So. All right, Vita, we're ready. Interesting. Thank you, Father. God will stop the coronavirus, and then everybody will be safe, that they won't have to wear masks and just say amen. Amen. Vita, good job. I'm so proud of you. So that is, you did an outstanding job. All right, y'all going down? Here, Sullivan, hey, we might need a few more, so you put those out if great job. You had some good guesses. Amen. The God that we serve, the God that we come to worship this morning is the giver of life. He's the giver of every good thing. Would you re read with me these words on the screen from Psalm 30? Let's read together. You turned my lament into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and you clothed me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Let's continue singing together this morning. Would you stand and join us as we sing? There's nothing better than you. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Dancing. 
treasures to fade are never enough. And you came along and put me back together. Every desire is now satisfied here in your love.
praise you for who you are, your faithfulness to us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you have your Bible, open up to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in verses 24 through 29. Thank you, Chris. We are concluding a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Is this turned on? And we are going to be wrapping it up this morning. We've been going through this for about six, seven weeks, going through Jesus' most well-known, most famous sermon, and I believe the message today is literally foundational, and we will talk about that theme for every single area of our life, and it's one that we're going to see here, what does it mean to have a foundation in Christ, and also we're going to look at how do we interpret that foundation. So while you're turning there to Matthew chapter 7, next Sunday I will be on the Sherry Osborne family vacation with her family to Traverse City, Michigan. I've never in my life even been to Michigan. Has anybody here ever been to Traverse City, Michigan? Is it worth going there? It's on Lake Michigan. It's her family, so you know, I'm the, it means I'm the garbage man. I'll be loading and unloading the car, literally. That's what I do, and um, we have a guest preacher next Sunday, somebody you do not want to miss. His name is Dr. Donald Whitney. He is the professor of biblical spirituality at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary up the road here in Louisville. He'll be preaching next Sunday. He's an outstanding uh, 
preacher and speaker and leads a lot of conferences. And I know you will receive a great blessing next week hearing him share God's word. It will be one of encouragement. It will be one of power and strength that certainly uh, his focus is really on discipleship and the spiritual discipline. So that will be next Sunday at 1030 with Dr. Donald Whitney sharing God's word for that. I do want to welcome our online crowd. So hopefully somebody shares our bulletin here in the uh, here in the sanctuary. You want to pull out your bulletin here and look at our, our notes that we're going to be following along here. We're about to read this. And it's going to teach us how we need to build our house. God has entrusted you with your life. God has entrusted you with your home. Now in the Bible, when we talk about the word house, when you talk about your foundation, a lot of times it might refer to your physical home, but think about like the home you live in, but there's other times the word house is used. The Bible uses the word house of, house of God. So this church has a foundation. The church has a foundation. But only that, they called Israel the house of Israel. So the nation, God's people, had a foundation. The house, house of Israel, which is part of the house of David. That's a family's foundation. So you're like, your, your house of David might be your extended family, your children, your grandchildren, your spouse. It's more. So when we use the word house, it's talking about more than just a physical home that you live in. We're talking about the house of Israel, which is your government built on God. We're talking about your family. We're talking about your church. We're talking about your life, your personal life. And we're also talking about, literally, just the physical building. So that's, that's a house. And all of these homes, these houses, are built upon a foundation. And Jesus is about to tell us that we will experience the rain, the winds. And if our house is not built on the right foundation... It will collapse. So oh, turn in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Look what God's word says here. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So there it is. The, the wise man. He's building a home on his rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it did not collapse, because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Obviously, we see a contrast. What's interesting about this, notice the same storm comes that way. We have the wind, the rain, the rivers rise up, the winds blow. They're all pounding. They're pounding the homes. Both homes get hit by the storm. The homes on the outside, they both look like any old regular house. But there's a massive difference between the two. So this second house here is built by a foolish builder. And it's built on the sand. The rains fell, verse 27. The rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house. And it collapsed. 
with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. He's wrapping up. Sermon on the Mount is three chapters. It's Matthew's, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he's concluding this sermon. And they were astonished by this teaching. Why? Because he was teaching them with one who had authority, not like their scribes. Jesus is telling us that we need to have a foundation built on a rock. So we're going to answer the question this morning. And I want you to walk out of this sanctuary, this house of God here, with a foundation on the Word of God, just like we learned in children's sermon, that you want to have your foundation built on God's Word and on a relationship with Jesus Christ. So what, are, what would be an alternative? What would, what is the, what's the, the right and the wrong way we see here? All of us have something called a worldview. The worldview is how we look at the lens of this world. When you look and evaluate something, and you're going to look through something through a worldview. There's nothing wrong with a worldview. We all have worldviews. The question is, what is the right worldview? For example, we as born-again believers, our worldview should be through the lens of Scripture. So when something comes our way, we need to always know in the back of our mind, well, what does God say about this? What would Jesus speak into this? What does the Scriptures say about this issue or this dilemma or how to handle this situation? Our worldview affects every single area of our life. It's how we talk to one another. It's what we watch at the movies. It's the music we listen to. It's how we vote. It's how we spend our um, time. It's, it's literally our friends, what we eat, what we drink. Everything we do is filtered through a worldview. It's how we view the news, how we look at the world. And Jesus is telling us, and what I'm telling you is you need to have a worldview that is based on God's Word. Children need to grow up and know that God is the Creator. We didn't just evolve. Their worldview should be a biblical worldview that teaches them creation. There is another opposing worldview out there. We encounter this worldview everywhere we go, and it's basically a secular or a cultural worldview in many ways, it's a worldview that's based on science. And what happens is, this worldview, if you're not careful, it can creep into your life. And you will start looking at things, not from the perspective of what does God say, what does Scripture say. You look at it through, well, that's what science says. That's our culture today. We don't want to offend this person over here. And it's a pluralistic, catch-all vision of the world that's very metropolitan. And that is in contrast, that worldview. Do you remember the Tower of Babel 
in Genesis 11. The people wanted to reach the heavens. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They thought, we want to be a great nation. We want to build a tower and be the kingdom here on earth of Babel. They're in Iraq, current day Iraq, city of Babylon. And they started building this tower. Why? Their goal was they wanted to make a name for who? Themselves. They wanted to be the center of their world. That's a worldview. That's an anti-God, secular worldview. That is antithetical to everything that God wants for us as believers. We as Christians live in a, with a worldview, or should live with a worldview, that is God-centered. He shapes our thinking, our decision-making, how we raise our family, why you go to church, why for the, you worship online, why you give, every area of your life, how you spend your money, that God-centered worldview should shape how you live. Now, I want to tell you about this worldview is very important because it determines how you interpret this book. And I'm going to tie this in with our Constitution. There's two ways to interpret the Bible, and there's actually two ways to interpret the U.S. Constitution. In 1776, something happened. A man named Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. The Decla we have two major documents in U.S. history. One was 1776 by Thomas Jefferson. They're both written in Philadelphia. He wrote it, and the purpose of the Declaration of Independence... That was to list all the grievances against England. England was taxing us. We were a colony back then. We, they were setting all these rules, and we didn't want to do this. That started. We, we drafted this document. We sent it to the King of England. That began the Revolutionary War. Basically, we declared our independence. Then what do you do? You go fight a battle. Several years later, we, the Patriots, the Revolutionaries, that was us, we won the Revolutionary War. So now we have this young nation, and we need a constitution. The second one, most important document that we still live by today as American citizens, and what all our laws are based on, our court system is based on, our states are based on, is the U.S. Constitution. That was from 1787. James Madison influenced and wrote the U.S. Constitution. U.S. Constitution includes the Bill of Rights. We have the freedom here to come worship. That was over 200 years ago. And Constitution Day is always September 17th of every year is when it was uh, ratified and made official for our, for our nation. And just a couple of weeks ago here in our country. Our court system, our Supreme Court, our Congress, the Office of Presidency, the three branches of government are based on that Constitution. When you're a judge, you are sworn to uphold what, what one law, what, what document, the Constitution. You can go to Washington, D.C. and view the Constitution. It's the longest and oldest 
lasting document for a government in existence of the nations. Today, it's lasted over 200 years. Other nations can't claim that title. We are a people that are based and live our lives as Americans on the United States Constitution. Now, you can amend it. It's been amended 27 times. has the Bill of Rights included in it. It gives us our freedoms that we have, or it acknowledges our freedoms that we have. So, we as Americans, we basically have based our life, our government is based on the document called the U.S. Constitution. That shapes everything about what it means to be an American citizen. We as Christians are also shaped by something. We are shaped by this book right here. Just like the Constitution, we have God's Word. 66 books of the Bible. You are to live your life by this book. It is our worldview. That is how we view the world and how we know how to be saved and to live our life. So Americans, we have the Constitution. Christians, born-again believers, we have the Bible. Those two documents, and you need to read both of them. Children, you need to go to school and read your U.S. Constitution. You need to come to church and read your Bible. That's what you do. Those two documents, Constitution Bible, shape your life as an American and shape your life as a Christian. That should be your worldview. You say, Pastor, where are you going with this? What does that do with foundation? The Constitution begins. Here we go. Look at this. These are the first words of the Constitution. We, the people of the United States. It's based on the people. The authority rests in the people. Not in politicians. As American citizens, we're a democracy. The authority rests in us. This is why we vote. Okay, the Bible also has a statement such as this. Genesis 1-1. Have it up here. You know, this is the, this might be the most, after John 3-16, you know this Bible verse is foundational. Just like the Constitution. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This person, this being, the Spirit, the triune God, created everything. Everything starts with God. That is what the Bible is based on. That is how we live our lives. Our foundation as believers. If you aren't saved, you need to have a foundation in Jesus Christ, who is God's Son. He created you. We... Now, go, go back to that first quote there, our first line of our Constitution. We, as born-again believers, the people established the United States. The church house is foundational upon the Lord. Our country is based on the citizens, not a king, but the citizens of America, of the United States. And 
The Constitution recognizes we have God-given rights, such as the freedom to worship, the freedom to come assemble together, such as what we're doing this morning and what you're doing online. So we see here these two contrasts. Now there's two ways to interpret this, because this, this is the application here. Okay, here we are interpreting the Bible and the Constitution. How would we go about doing this? You've got your foundation on the Bible. You're sitting here saying, yeah, Daniel, I believe the Bible. I believe the Constitution. I know what the Bible says. So how does that affect how I live my life? There's two different ways. Number one, a textualist. This is important. This is the plain meaning of a text. You look at the original words, words, literalism, meaning if the Bible says this, you believe it. If the Bible clearly states that God created us, that means we didn't evolve. If the Bible tells us that we are saved only through Jesus Christ, that means we are only saved through Jesus Christ, which is true. If the Bible tells us that we are to honor our father and mother, you, by the fifth commandment, are to honor your father and mother. It is plain as day. I am a textualist, meaning the text speaks truth. When you read your constitution from 1787, and it tells you what to do as an American citizen, I interpret the Constitution, I interpret the Bible as a textualist viewpoint. That's a worldview, meaning it doesn't change. This is what God wrote, and it's what He meant, and it's what I should go apply. This is what you should be teaching your family, and your children, and your grandchildren, and how you should live your life. Now there is an opposing viewpoint. Now this is taught everywhere. It's subtly creeping into your life. A textualist means, God said it, I believe it. Constitution, this is what James Madison, the founding fathers wrote, that's what should shape our country. All right, here's the second one. It's called a living document. This is rampant everywhere. Teenagers, y'all need to know this. College students, you need to know this. Because you'll be taught this. It creeps into your life. A living document is a pragmatic approach to the text. Very pragmatic. You basically pick up the Bible, you pick up your constitution, and it says, does this really work for 2020? Is this how we live our lives today? Yeah, the Bible was wrote 2,000 years ago. Constitution was wrote, that was 200 years ago. Yeah, I know what James Madison wrote. I know what Thomas Jefferson and George Washington believed, but that was back in the 1700s, a long time ago. Times have changed. A living document approach to the Bible and us as, as American citizens means you adapt to new circumstances. It changes over time. It evolves. This is a dangerous, dangerous way to live. Because this is the life of your foundation built, as Jesus said, on sand. Because a living document, a living constitution, a Bible that changes means 
It might mean that today, but a decade from now, things could be completely different. You and I have to make sure that we are not living our lives on this living document type of thinking. This house built on sand. The foundation that can shift and it moves and it changes with times. What was wrong, what was unheard of for some of you 30, 40, 50 years ago is now normal today. And you wouldn't ever think differently. That means culture has been influenced by secularism, this living document thinking, and it's changed your worldview. We as believers want to make sure we are textualist. We believe in what the text actually says. We as Americans, we want to be textualists on what the Constitution says just as much. Otherwise, your, our nation will be shifting and changing. And instead of being built on the Word of God in a rock, it will have a foundation on sand. Guys, this is very important. This shapes everything how you see. Something that was wrong a decade ago will now be right. Something that was right will now be wrong. And it just keeps changing. It's, it's an evolution of thinking. Your foundation, it determines your future. It always does. What you have rock solid is your foundation. That will determine um, how you withstand the storm. And what's powerful about that story that Jesus told, the storm's coming. We are all hit by the storm. That means the guy that has this living document thought, thinking that built on the sand, he's going to get hit by the same storm, maybe as you and I, that have it built on the rock, on the scripture, on what the author of the text actually wanted us to believe, what God wanted to say to us. In many ways, I have a picture here. For our architects, you go crazy when you see this building. I've never been to Italy. In northern Italy, there's a little place, a little town called Pisa. And they built a church there. It was built in 1372. The church is next to this bell tower. This bell tower is leaning at four degrees. And when they built it, Pisa is near the ocean, near the sea. It did not have a good foundation. I guess when you go to architecture school, this is like the eternal picture they always show of how not to build a building. Now, but you know, in hindsight, you know, that's been up, it's been standing for 700 years. It's probably made billions of dollars for their little town. It's probably end up being the greatest money-making machine to go there and take pictures of this tower that's leaning sideways. This is the leaning tower of Pisa. Why is it leaning? Because the foundation was not rock solid. I'm just curious, has anybody actually been and seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Wow, five, five, more people have been to Traverse City, Michigan than have been to the Leaning Tower of Pisa there. Guys, this is this almost comical picture. This is what's your life. If you 
are not, if you do not know what you believe, you will be like this. You'll be leaning, going this way, swaying with whatever cultural direction the wind blows in. Your foundation, what Christ is speaking to you and I, He's saying, you need to know what you believe. And you hold that to your conviction. You are not embarrassed to be a believer. You should not be ever embarrassed to be an American. You should be proud of our Constitution. You should be proud of the Bible. The Bible influenced the Constitution. The Bible influenced the founding of this nation. We're proud of that. We have Christian foundations for our country. What's also powerful, when Jesus wrapped up the sermon, it says He spoke with authority. What that means, authority, when someone speaks with authority, that means they actually believe in what they say. That means when they speak, not only are they just saying it, they actually believe it. Meaning Jesus literally believed. If you want to get saved, you come to me. Jesus says if you want to have a life that can weather the storm, you build it on a rock. And that rock is God's Word. Throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is quoting the Old Testament. He's saying, this is what Moses said. This is what the Old Testament says. But here's how I apply it today. He was taking it to a new level. He was a textualist. It wasn't a living document. God has spoken. He has not stuttered. And you and I, as Christians... I'm inviting you to ask the question, do I live my life with a Bible-based worldview? Is my foundation built on the Word of God? And what this means is, in every area of your life, when you meet someone that's a different religion, that believes of a different faith, you don't just acknowledge that they're right. You acknowledge they have religious freedom, which we as Americans, we do, but we as Christians, only Jesus says, when you meet someone that says, oh, this is the new cultural norms, what's accepted. No. If it conflicts with Scripture, you stand on that Word of God. And you speak up and say, this is why I believe this. Yesterday, I went to North Lime Donuts. Sherry sends me there on Saturday mornings. I go there. go there throughout the week several times. I go there, and I came back to the car, and I noticed there was this lady, a young lady, I was really surprised, probably in her late 20s, early 30s. She was going um, car to car, talking to people. And I was by myself, and the kid, everybody was still asleep. So I thought, well, I'll just roll the window, see what she has to say. I'm just curious, who else would do that? You know, who else talks to people? They just walk up your random car. Okay. Three, three four, four people, yeah. More people have actually been to the, seen the Leaning Tower piece, have seen that. Than, all right, well. She comes up to me and says, Sir, I'm raising money. Of course, it's a money thing. 
to buy King James Bibles. Would you like to give me $3? I'm no joke, exact word she said. I, I said, oh, this, I'm going to join this conversation. This is, this is for me. I said, and I said, absolutely. And I started pulling out my wallet. And I'm giving her $3. I say, man, I'm just curious. Why do you only buy King James Bibles? You know, there's other Bible translations that maybe it's easier for some folks to read. I mean, the real goal is not just to read one translation. It's to read the God's Word and it's allowed to speak to people. And then she stepped back and said, oh, sir, other translations are satanic. I said, well... You know, that, I mean, she, and, and she says this with conviction. Like, there's no shifty sand in her life. I mean, she's saying on her rock that her Bible is, is her King James Bible is all she reads. And she told me that. I said, well, ma'am, I, I, read, I read other translations, and I, I don't feel it's satanic. I mean, the words are slightly you know, written for, you know, that was 400 years ago. I said, by the way, you know, King James Bible didn't come out to 1611. Why'd they use the first 1600 years? I mean, it hadn't even come out yet. So we've only had it for 400 years. And she goes on to tell me that KJV is the authorized Bible and the other translations are wrong. And I'm not kidding. She offered to give me her King James. She's pulling out a Bible to give to me. She says, sir, you need to start reading the KJV Bible. I said, ma'am, I'm going to stick with mine. You, you give your Bible to somebody else. Here's $3. I support your work in giving out Bibles and raising money for that, but I don't know if I agree with you on your belief that other Bible translations, and she actually then went on and told me they were actually of the devil, or of the devil. That's the exact quote she said of that. Now, that was yesterday at 7.40 in the morning. I commend that young lady for her conviction. She was passionate. She was going car to car, I guess raising money for three bucks and she was gonna I mean she also asked me if I was saved had a relationship with Jesus she was gonna get God's word out and I commend her amen that's great that is a good foundation but she also had something in her thinking I believe that was wrong nowhere in the Bible does it tell us we're only to use the King James authorized translation from 1611. Nowhere in the scripture does it tell us, the Bible is written in Greek and Hebrew, by the way. It doesn't say we're only to read the Bible in Greek and Hebrew. Some of us, if we aren't careful, we will take secondary issues, such as which Bible translation that you believe in and you read, and make it a primary issue. And she had done that. We as believers, as gospel preachers, as gospel teachers, and as believers in Christ, our foundation, what unites Christians, is the belief that Jesus Christ saves. That Jesus Christ affirms this as the textual document that does not change. This book changes and shapes our nation. This is why Franklin Graham goes to the Mall of Washington to pray for our nation. Because the Bible tells us to pray for our country. The Bible is the basis for our nation and it should be the basis for your life. 
this morning, if Jesus Christ is not the foundation of your life, you need to get saved. You need to accept this. You do not need to focus on secondary issues. Secondary issues is just like that sweet young lady yesterday morning. She's more concerned about the KJV Bible than seeing souls saved. She wanted to make sure I had the right Bible. You need to have a conviction that when you meet someone that has a different worldview, that is secular, that is spiritually lost, the most important thing you and I can do is to share the good news of Jesus with them, is to point them to what God's plan for their life is. This morning, we're going to have an invitation. Brother Hurd, now stand down here, and you should respond to Jesus. You come take my hand, or you know, I take my hand, but you come close, and you pray and receive Jesus. Online, you reach out to us. Let us know. Send us a message. Let us know if you want to make a decision. Fill out the connection card. This is your opportunity to, to respond to the Lord. If you're looking for a church home, you need to walk this aisle, like we've had the past couple Sundays, and join Broadway Baptist Church. Our church is built on the Bible. We are a foundational church. You need to be a part of a church and a member of a church, just like Broadway. So let's stand together. Chris is going to lead us in a song. Brother Hurd and I are going to be down front waiting for you. You respond to God. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to Thank you.
opportunity to respond to that call. God, now as we go our separate ways, we pray that your spirit will continue to, to move and to work in each and every life that's here. Lord, we love you. We praise you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. We'll see you Wednesday.